0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball with MLB insider John Heyman and former major leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. All right. It's my pleasure to bring in a big time guest to a Big Time Baseball podcast with Tony Gwynn Jr. is the general manager of the New York Yankees. Brian Cashman, um, twenty-three years, he's been the general manager of the team. They've been a winning team every year. Four World Series titles as general manager. I think he has five rings now. I'm losing count. I could be wrong, though. I think that's right. Uh, I think his Hall of Fame uh, place is uh, punched at this point. He's uh, been fantastic. And I remember when he was a general manager in his early 30s, and he uh, still seems like a young man. But it's great to bring on Brian Cashman, general manager of the New York Yankees, who have been rather hot lately. So uh, first, I want to get started asking you about that, uh, Cash. Uh, it was kind of worrisome. About 10 days ago uh, or so, the team was uh, struggling uh, at that point, and uh, you spoke to the team. And uh, the team has been great ever since. Uh uh, you have the you have this knack of doing this. I think you did in two thousand five or or so, and same same result. Um, is, is it your timing, your words? What is it? Uh, wh- why did the team uh, turn around uh, so abruptly after you spoke to them?
2: Well, no, I think it had more to do with uh, last time I did it was two thousand nine, and you know I speak to the team every year at open spring training, regardless. I think every general manager does that typically, and and then obviously uh, part of the job description is to to you know. You know, have a lot of individual conversations when necessary, tough conversations when necessary. But, but when it warrants it, you know, I'm the head of baseball operations, and we were, you know, kind of uh, playing unusually poor baseball, and uh, for an extended period of time. So I took the opportunity after having a lot of dialogue with Aaron Boone, whether I should or shouldn't. So the last time I did it was 2009. We were struggling for an extended period of time, and I flew in to meet the team in Atlanta, and then uh, the timing is everything. You know, to picked the right wave to ride and uh, the team's been doing well, but I don't think it has anything to do with uh, the conversations per se. It's just a, a reminder in this case of how good are they? I mean, you guys are really good. Baseball is a humbling sport. You know, You know, we've gotten it out of our system now and it's I think we had 19 games to go. So the message was essentially 19 to go. Let's put on a show. And uh, you know because uh, we're still capable of doing everything that we signed up for, which is um, representing the American League in the World Series and trying to win a world championship title and and all of those things are still in play. and it was just a reminder of you know, it wasn't you know an airstrike. it was a you know a reinforcement of, you know, we've got this and we've got, we believe in you and, and just remind you sometimes baseball can throw you off and, uh, and let's get our balance back and let's start rolling. And we got 19 to go. So that was the message let's put on the show.
3: Brian, you mentioned that it's, it's in this the job description, but you also mentioned you've only done it a few times where you've addressed the team this late. Um, when do you know, When it's the right time to step in there and and maybe remind players uh, of some of the things you had to remind them to this time around.
2: You know, it's more of a feel thing. It's uh, I I think part of the job. Listen, it's a player's game, you know, and I and and I've been the GM now for a long time under three different managers and I I addressed a team in each category, uh in each case so under joe tory i had to do it under joe i did it and uh, now obviously under aaron boone i did it and It's just more of a feel thing and, it's, and sometimes it's a therapeutic thing it's at least to make me feel like i'm doing everything i need to do and should be doing and can be doing at the same time so at least i can put my head on the pillow without any woulda coulda shouldas after the fact of regret of maybe i should have and i didn't and so it's like checking every box on the menu and uh but you know, it's gotta be authentic, it's gotta be real, and it's gotta be something that you believe can resonate with the group and uh, uh and and it's as simple as that. So uh you know, but it's not something that comes naturally or easily. It's something that you know you kinda you know feel like in the end that right, it's time for me to have a conversation. Now as a general manager, I think representing my entire thirty GM group, I think we're used to having to be the beat a bad guy or have the tougher conversations, you know, when necessary. Not that any of the managers don't do that, but uh, but so I've definitely been called upon to to have some really direct, difficult, honest, brutally honest conversations, and that's part of the job description too. So um, you know, those are more more uh, impactful, I think, than uh, maybe a group setting. Uh, but again, our, we have a really good team and we got really good people. And, uh, but this game is not an easy sport to play, uh, and be consistently uh, at a high level at all times. And, and, uh, so, uh, just like anything else, you, you, you know, you can get one good play can, can change the day. Uh, but it also works the other way. One bad play can change the day. And, uh, and it's just, you got to make sure that, you know, you're as laser focused at all times individually as a player, a coach, a manager, or a front office and recognize that there's a, Slippery slope that can run a positive or a negative, uh, and, uh, and we just needed to stop the bleeding at that point. Thankfully, we were able to do that and get our balance back.
1: I'm glad you reminded me. It was, it was 2009. That that was good timing. Obviously, worked out very nicely there as you won the World Series in 2009. And uh, we're speaking to you now on the day after you've clinched, again, uh, the playoffs. And uh, the Yankees seem to make the playoffs every year. And I, I know with eight teams uh, in the playoffs each in each league this year, everybody figured it was a foregone conclusion. But congratulations in any case. And as we head toward the playoffs now, we're a week away as we uh, record this, but um – as you look back on this season, uh, what were some of the pleasant surprises? I mean, obviously, voight has been fantastic, but in your mind, what are the surprises? If there are there any disappointments, and how do you feel your setup uh, uh, for the postseason as we speak today? You're playing the Twins, and uh, they never seem to beat in the playoffs. I don't know if you feel the same way that I do that the Twins somehow just can't beat you guys in the playoffs. But how do you feel your setup right now? And how do you feel things went this year?
2: Well, I mean, uh, it's been a roller coaster. I mean, it's a 60-game sprint. We've, uh, you know, uh, I feel like we've been drinking out of a fire hose. Probably every single team feels that way where, uh, um, you know, we've had a lot thrown at us. Um, you know, it's 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 obviously as difficult a to sport to, to master as, as you can be and then to try to do it in a sprint and navigate what always comes your way, which is injuries, underperformance, surprise performance, you know, and then mix in that, hey, we're in a pandemic at the same time. You know, it's been, you know, it's been a roller coaster, and yeah, our intentions are to make the playoffs, and then obviously uh, uh, take a shot at going the whole way in October. So, um, yeah, Luke voigt has been fantastic. You know, we've had a lot of guys have been fantastic. And you know, you know, I wouldn't say they're surprises, but you know, DJ Lemayu being DJ Lemayu and continuing what he did last year, and Voigt. You know, returning to form, he was pretty awesome last year until he had that core injury during the London series out against the Sox in Europe. And then he was never the same after that until he had it fixed uh, surgically this winter. And now he's back to, you know, picking up where he left off. yeah, the addition of Garrett Cole has been a real boost, and he's starting to find his stride, clearly. Uh, we feel really good every time he has the ball. Um, and, you know, so we've had a number of different things. The disappointments would be the continuation of injuries that uh, have reoccurred from time to time. But thankfully, in most cases, you know, uh, you know whether it's a Stanton or a Judge, we're getting those guys back, and then getting them back. Uh, and LeMay was down for a little while got him back but other cases like a Severino and a Paxton that were all part of, be a part of this thing you know Seve's out and Paxton you know it's to be determined when he would come back it wouldn't be done uh, during the playoffs uh, down the stretch so if he does so so those would be the disappointments I think that stand out and then obviously not being able to play in front of fans I mean I hear, hearing Guardy's commentary recently of how he wants to continue playing he doesn't want his career to end on a year where he can't play in front of his family in person and fans you know uh, um, you know, that that obviously touched me a little bit in recognizing the fact that, hey, this year is completely different and it's even more impactful for some of those in that arena than others. You know, it's you know, so uh, so that's another disappointment that, you know, we're not being able to, we're able to represent our fan base, but not in person. And that's obviously disappointing.
3: Right? you mentioned the injuries. Two years in a row, you guys have been crushed by injuries yet have found your way into the playoffs. Talk a little bit about finding the right fits for depth because uh, it's unique in New York. Not everybody's built to, to play under the, the bright lights in, in New York, yet you guys have found the type of depth that when you, you get injuries, you have guys that can fill in. Talk a little bit about what goes into finding the right fits for for this organization.
2: Well it goes whether it's our development program headed by Kevin Reese, uh, when he inherits players from from our domestic amateur department uh run by Damon Oppenheimer or International Scouting Department run by Donnie Rowland. Um and then our pro scouting department run by Matt Daly and, and uh, Dan Geis. You know, we've we you know at a at our analytics side by Grabner and Dave Grabner and uh, Mike Fishman, all these guys are are guiding and suggesting and leading us to talent, whether it's an acquisition like Luke Voigt, um, an international sign like Miguel Andihar, uh, uh on the pro scouting side, a trade acquisition that brought us Clint Frazier, um, or a trade acquisition that brought us Mike Mike Tauchman. So when these injuries do hit, you know it's plug and play, you know because we're deep in this current time frame, and it's it's hard to always remain deep. So right now we're in a good position to weather the storm, um, but it's always tough on behalf of all 30 organizations to maintain that. So in this current window, in this current climate that we do exist, you know, the stars have lined up that we're a deep organization with players that are, we are top heavy with players that we can turn to. Uh, when injuries hit, so even in the rotation, obviously we lost Severino, we lost Paxton, and Debbie Garcia, who was in great demand during the trade deadline. We decided we're not moving Debbie in the in the opportunities that were presented. Uh, and he stepped right in and probably pitched as well, despite yesterday, as well as anybody we would have acquired at the deadline. Um, and so all of those things have factored into to play a really good, strong, healthy uh, defense for us in terms of protection and insurance uh, and allowing us to maintain a, you know, a shot at uh, taking another run in the title and uh, one that's eluded us since 2009.
1: The playoff gauntlet's not going to be easy this year with that extra round. Uh, as you know, your team is playing great. So that that's a big plus, um you know obviously cole one of the best pitchers in baseball you've got there tanaka's been fantastic in the postseason uh debbie as you've mentioned has really come through for you hap's been good lately um but i'd rather have you talk about how your rotation and your team you think sets up uh, for the playoff run i mean i know a lot of people are saying that the dodgers and the yankees are the favorites uh how do you look at it and how do you feel about it uh Particularly, you kind of need the depth this year with no off days, and it, it looks like, despite those injuries that you talked about, including Severino, which is the rough one, obviously, uh, it looks like your your depth is is pretty good right now. Well, I
2: mean, I certainly feel good about our team. I don't I don't think anybody in this current format can uh, determine who's a favorite or not. Uh, to be quite honest, it, this might you could argue this could be the toughest World Championship run. Of any of them in the past just because of the playoff format the additional teams the lack of off days um you're not playing there's no home field advantage so to speak uh and even for the first round and the best of three which anybody can win that um you know the uh for those who happen to be playing at home which is yet to be determined in in almost all cases um the uh you know outside of you know you're not even staying in your own bed you're quarantined in a bubble somewhere in our case it'll be in midtown manhattan you know uh and so and you'll be playing not in front of fans uh that are supporting you so so it's a unique environment um and i think it's just uh you know you have you'll have the regular season that proved a certain you know category and now the postseason that you know i feel like it's it's kind of like a harness, not a harness, but a, a thoroughbred racing where you have the Preakness and the and the Derby and the Belmont and the races are all different. You know, uh, we had a 60-game regular season that determined, you know, obviously who the better teams happened to be. And now you enter a sprint, uh, which is the best of three, and you have a number of off days as Teams located out to California for the American League and Texas for the National League. And then you have, you know, a cage match that basically with no off days will determine ultimately who's going to play in the World Series. Uh, it's going to challenge your depth. It's going to be different. You won't be seeing the, in many instances, the bullpen days that maybe people would have planned on utilizing uh, or be forced to utilize because every day you're going to need. A starter, uh, because you're not going to have the recovery days for the for the relievers unless you're willing to you know put people at risk. And so, it's really going to take that 28 man roster, maybe the taxi squad that's traveling with you. It's going to take everything you got to to be the last team standing. So it's going to be an interesting challenge and a unique challenge, and we're looking forward to being a part of that challenge.
3: Brian, how have you felt about uh, the rules and how they've been implemented in this 2020 season? I know, obviously, uh, we're just happy to have the game back. But would you want to see any of this moving forward beyond 2020 season, including the playoff structure?
2: Uh, Yes, actually, I am. I'm a progressive. I am, you know, I I lived through losing to Ming Wong to a Liz Frank fracture in Houston when he was forced to be a hitter. When we were playing with the Astros while they were in the National League at the time and under the National League rules, and, and that radically changed his career path. He was one of the uh, exceptional starting pitchers and young starting pitchers in the American League, and then he was never really the same after that injury. So I do believe that the National League going forward, adopting the DH is the right thing, the safe thing, the healthy thing. Um, uh, and as uh, they're the last team, obviously, the last league doing it, and that's all due respect to the National League and the, and the history and, and tradition of that. So I'm a big believer in, in uh, for the healthy part of this for pitchers that they need to be doing something consistently or not doing it all. And so adopt the D8 from all four. I love the extra inning rule uh, that obviously got uh, displayed in the WBC. Um, I think that uh, forcing the action and you know, forcing an outcome sooner than later rather than having this thing drag out when, for the most part, most fans – 99% of the fans have left the ballpark and in many cases if they're night games have fallen asleep trying to watch who's going to win a game you know I think forcing this outcome keeps people glued to their seats glued to the uh, their eyeballs glued to the uh, the streaming or the television sets and and uh, and you know it, it creates exciting uh, baseball and an exciting finish at the back end um, and so I, I like that um, I'm trying to think what are the other rules that we've now adopted um, that are different if you can remind me so Yeah, I'm starting to, I'm still getting used to that one. I I really do miss the, you know, the, the left, left left-handed reliever matchup, the situational situation that you can use utilize. I mean, there's, there's always been that extremely important out and you have somebody you can deploy for that. So I'm kind of 50, 50 on it. I understand it, you know, um, but I I do think it erases or takes out, you know, uh, a population, even if it's a small population of talent that, that, you know, found a important role in this game. Uh, so I'm not kind of not as a, much of a fan of the, the three batter minimum as uh, some of these other rules that we've adopted.
1: Yeah. I'm with you on the extra ending rule. I, I like it. I, I forcing the action. That's a good way to put it. I really like that rule a lot. Uh, one thing that obviously is different this year is the 16 teams in the playoffs and the best of three to start. I know you don't want to talk about who's a favorite or even think about it. Uh, Dave Roberts, who uh, guides, uh, what I think is the favorite in the national league. Uh, didn't, doesn't like the best of uh, three in the first round, understandably. So um, I know a lot of people don't like the 16 teams uh, with the expanded playoffs. Uh, wh- what do you think about the, the best of three? Does it, does that worry you? And do you think whoever wins this year uh, gets an asterisk or is this a, a, a true champion, the, the world series winner this season?
2: No, it's not gonna be an asterisk. Obviously they they'll it, you know, the season everybody will recognize was, was a season played under a pandemic, under, you know, really difficult circumstances and a lot of duress and uh and and so whoever winds up having the opportunity to be earning the right to be called world champion that'll be cemented in history uh and something to be very proud of uh so uh but you know i would probably agree with dave roberts that you know it just depends on how you want things to play out if you want more randomness um you know that's what a three-game series is going to provide um you know and 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 so therefore you know the the best team could get so you know the the air you know the team that's favored obviously could get sent home right out of the gates because they just don't play well uh, out of a three-game set. You know, because uh, it's just like a 60-game season can produce some random haphazard stuff. Uh, unlike a 162-game season, when things play out in a much longer pace, uh, you know, I think the shorter series certainly can produce some unusual results or unexpected results because it gives, uh, you know, maybe a lesser opponent uh, a more bigger opportunity to to create an upset. So that's how this how our sport, it's not a complaint. It's just a fact. And so it's going to create, you know, I think hope for a lot more teams that, you know, so so the eighth seed has a chance to beat the, the one seed without a question. Um uh, you know, it equalizes things a lot more than people realize in terms of so it's not necessarily a roster strength versus roster strength and you see who's who's better and it's going to play out that way. It's going to actually be who plays better for that small Three game set, uh, even if it's the inferior team, and in baseball that easily can happen. And so it's a dangerous, uh, it's a dangerous uh, process. But everybody knows what the process is, so you know it is what it is. And so it's game on, and and it's made a best team win at that point. And and if there is an upset, and and, you know David beats Goliath, um, you know that's it. So be it.
3: Brian, you know, you've seen the game change uh, a lot from the time you've taken over as GM, as the Yankees. Um, You've seen the analytic phase really start to uh, take over the game of baseball. And I I felt like from the outside looking in that you guys have done a terrific job in that transition better than most teams. Um, Why do you think that is? You see, you guys have seemingly adapted better uh, than a lot of teams and a lot quicker than a lot of teams
2: well i think we've been slow in terms of we've adapted without a doubt we've grown we've evolved but we've also been delicate and tactical in how we've adapted so i think sometimes uh i've seen other organizations do you know a extreme makeover um and then that's a shock to the system and and i think we've done a little bit of a slow walk and sometimes I've wrestled with in my mind about from the leadership position I sit in is am I walking it too slow and you know you, you just have to make yet yeah, there's a feel to this stuff there's there is also an educational component to to how it gets implemented um and how you get the conversions and what's the best way to to educate the masses whether you're talking about the player population pool the the field staff population pool or you know myself included you know I remember you know uh Back in the day, where there was bookstores all over the place, you'd see, uh, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, Algebra for Dummies or, or you know, all those books that came out like Guitar uh, for, for Guitar for Dummies, and, and you know, it was a yellow book. Uh, they'd have these dummy down books uh, that teach something that was complicated to people in a more simplified manner. So it was the, the really keys to the success is how you take this powerful amount of information that you, you know, this gold that you can. Mind from these mountains that can be utilized to your advantage, but how do you then present it in a way that it's you have that ta da moment that's so powerful for you, whether it's a starting pitcher or a leader or a catcher who's calling a game or or, or coach enough to, uh, to implement it in there as a teaching tool or, or me as a uh, front long time uh, front office executive to start to utilize that as narrowing in your quiver um, in your trade decisions or your free agent decisions, to either go all in on a player, um, or walk away from a player because there's some data points now that you've been educated about and you have to at some point have that ta-da moment where you're like, Yeah, this makes sense. I get it. I believe it. The light bulb's gone on in my head. And now I've got a whole new world of uh educational component that's now moving me in a certain direction and for good reason and sound reason. And that the platforms of the educational component is 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 just as important as as uh the information that's sitting there it's just how do you you know how do you create a higher tide for everybody to to, to ride on uh, by sharing the information the way they can understand it so therefore they want it and they gravitate to to it and
1: they utilize it well brian you, you certainly done a great job of not shocking the system and running a steady ship and uh it's been quite a tenure. Uh, starting obviously working with uh, George Steinbrenner who was very successful. Uh, different kind of a personality than you, but uh, we got to give him his due. He was extremely successful, um, and you've done great work during the season and, of course, after the season. the The big, the most important work. Uh, for a general manager, I think is done in the wintertime. So I just wanted to ask you, uh, you've got some decisions coming up on some really important Yankees. I think uh, our first guest uh, on the big time uh, podcast was Aaron Boone. Now you have an option on him. So uh, I don't want to assume anything, but uh, I would say it probably looks good for Aaron Boone to be back with the Yankees, but you also have uh, Lemehu and uh, Tanaka and uh, Gardner, potentially a free agent Gardner. I say potentially cause there's an option, but um I'm going to assume that you'd want to bring back Lemayhu. That was one of the greatest free agent signings, probably in history. Two years, twenty-four million. Tanaka's been uh, all you could have asked for, I think. And Gardner's been a fantastic Yankee. So if you could just talk a little bit about uh, those four gentlemen that I that I mentioned.
2: Well, first and foremost, I agree with you about George Steinbrenner. He, uh, he is a hall of famer, uh, that has yet to be put in the hall of fame, but he will get there one day and where he just belongs to be. And, and then, uh, I've been lucky enough to, to work for him. And, uh, and so he, you know, obviously had a great impact on me. So past that, uh, you know, the Yankees, and the Yankees were about trying to have great players, uh, and great people. So we're lucky about Aaron Boone. Um, when I went through, uh, opened up an interview process. I was very fortunate to uh to be open minded to to interviewing him. I had a lot of people suggest him and um and so I went through the process and it was like, wow, this can this be real? And he's I think since we've hired him have proven that it is real and and uh you know obviously yeah we have a club option for him but certainly hope that we can have him uh for a long time. I had a chance to work for Tory for ten years, Gerardi for ten years and I'd love to be in a position that Aaron Boone can be here for the similar type of time frame i'd, I'd say he, he has a more likely chance to last more than me because the 10 years is a lot longer for me i guess but because uh, of my getting long in tooth but anyway going to the free agents you know it's all going to happen this winter we'll, we'll certainly have a lot of discussions with ownership about you know what's available financially and how the impact on the economics uh, uh, of what has transpired in this world because of the pandemic affects everything but but all those players you've mentioned are really amazing, talented uh, players that uh, that uh, anybody would want to retain on their club, including ourselves. Uh, just uh, the, the the ability to do so all remains to be seen once we have. We clear this you know postseason situation. hopefully we can do it with a world championship. But but if we don't, you know, obviously either way, we'll have to make decisions, tough ones like we always are forced to do every winter, like everybody has to make tough decisions. And, and uh, you know, we'll do the best we possibly can. And um, But those decisions, we haven't had any dialogue about what is or isn't available to us as of yet. Um, but, but, you know, we're still trying to navigate this 2020 season.
1: You know, Brian, I wanted to ask you, I saw a report uh, that the Mets are, would be interested or are interested. Obviously, they're going to have a – a change of uh, ownership here uh, very soon once Steve Cohn is approved, as we expect him to be. So uh, I know you're very modest. Uh, as you uh, in your last answer, you said that you worked for the manager. You, technically, I think the manager works for you, but uh, that's nice the way you put that. Um, so what did you what do you think when you you saw that? I know you've had chances in the past, many chances to leave the Yankees, and. Uh, you know, I don't think it's just a New York thing. So I don't, you know, I don't see the Mets as any more likely than any of the other teams. It seems like you're very loyal to me, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. Uh, did you see that report that uh, suggested uh, you could jump over to the Mets? And uh, you know, what did you think about that?
2: I mean, it's just a compliment. You know, Carl Ravitch obviously was on the podcast uh, for ESPN and, and and mentioned the first thing he would do. So I, you know, it was a really uh You know, nice compliment. I would say that I've seen. There's a lot of reports now. I think uh, another one in the New York Post was uh, was another general manager that's going to the Hall of Fame in in the National League coming over there and and uh, and then. Yeah, Theo Epstein, obviously, and then um, and then uh, the latest report is that Sandy Alderson, who had been over there, and obviously he's had an amazing career and a huge impact on the game, and and a world champion in his own right, um, and obviously a a, a veteran uh, that we all got to be thankful for his service to this country, uh, maybe potentially returning to the Mets. So there's, I think, like typically, uh, especially wintertime, um, you know, there's always speculation about player. Trades, player acquisitions, free agent signs, changes in managers, coaches, general managers, uh, and in this case, it's an ownership change that has yet to be approved yet. But uh, but I would think more likely than not gets approved. But that's above my pay grade. Um, it, it, I think it's just more of the speculation time, and it's uh, and that's part of you know the excitement of our industry. You know, but it was an, it was just a compliment. That's all I took. Took it from, and people just speculating on, hey, what about this? What about that? But it's nothing more than that. And, uh, and yeah, I'd, I'd appreciate the plug by Carl Ravage more than anything else, but that's that's really it.
1: Okay. Very nice. And, uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't just follow up a little bit because, uh, I'd mentioned Lemayhu before, and I think the fans, uh, would want to hear what your thoughts are, uh, on him in particular. Uh, that was a fantastic signing. And, um, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm going to assume that, uh, you, you're going to, You'd like to bring him back, and you're going to try to bring him back.
2: Yeah, I tried to. I tried to answer it because I used the free agent. So whether it's a Tanaka, whether it's a Lemay, these are all fantastic players and people that you know uh, anybody. That has the opportunity to work with them would want to retain. Um, you know, but obviously those decisions are going to have to come, come later time and those discussions and and what's available and what's not obviously is yet to be determined with us. And, and, uh, and we haven't really had any engagement with, uh, with anybody involved in the potential free agent process. Mm Um, and that includes our manager, although we have a club option on him. And, and so, we'll, you know, all that will be a, a different day as we're all locked in on trying to figure out a way to successfully finish uh, uh, our 2020 campaign uh, and survive the pandemic and survive, you know, the American League in the postseason and then ultimately hopefully be the team that represents our league in the World Series and somehow survive that as well. But we've got a long way to go. Uh, and a short time to get there, I guess. and so, uh, but once that's all done, you know, everybody else disbands. you know managers, coaches, and players all go home in the front offices, those lights don't go out. You know, we gotta immediately turn to you know uh, the most important part of our twenty twenty one season, which is the winter campaign and and that starts immediately after the, uh, the conclusion of your your twenty twenty season, and so you know that's gonna happen here sooner than later, but I, I don't have any answers other than the fact that we are very fortunate to have. D.J. Lemayhew, uh, Les Leswells, Tanaka, amongst all the, a lot of these other free agents that are pending here. So, uh, and they've served us well, and and uh, what the future is going to be like, we'll see.
1: Yeah, I can vouch for that, the way the Yankees and you operate. Uh, and I don't know whether that came from Steinbrenner or wh- whether that's just you and your work ethic, but uh, you basically give it uh, less than a minute of celebration, uh, even when you win the World Series, before you get to work on the winter. And uh, the winter is, of course, where you do the most important work and your best work. So uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. We took, we kept you a little bit of overtime, and I know you're a busy man. We really appreciate it, Brian Cashman, uh, coming on Big Time Baseball. Uh, thanks a lot.